Principal Matters Podcast, episode 301. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. And this week, we are answering principal questions with my co-host, Jen Schwanke. Jen Schwanke is the deputy superintendent at Dublin Schools in Dublin, Ohio, the author of two great books on school leadership, a frequent contributor to this podcast. And I call her my co-host because she's by far, hands down, been on this podcast more than any other leader. And when she's not, I hear from you, listeners. <laughs> so Jen Schwanke, welcome back. I know you're just wrapping up your traditional school year, although I know you do not stop working. So give us a quick update. How are, how are you doing and, and how's life in Dublin, Ohio? Well, it's very, very hot. I will tell you that. And, um, you know, you asked me offline, is, is summer break? And I said, well, I hear some people are, but um, principals are not and school leaders are not because there's a lot of things to plan for. So um, yeah, we're like a lot of the rest of the country, we're dealing with some volatile weather. My poor parents had a terrible, terrible storm go through and ripped barns to pieces. And so I spent last weekend picking up tin shingles from trees, but um, you know, the kids are good and, and work is good. And I'm glad we're not having to, to be in such fear of some things we've been in the past. So things are positive right now. Well, it is also hot and humid <laughs> in Oklahoma. I'm going to tell principal matters listeners something they may not know, but we have three adult daughters and a son who's still in high school. And our third daughter, Katie, just finished her first year of university in Wales. She's been in wow. the UK this whole year. And so, um, although we did get to see her at Christmas, but she is, as we record on a flight from London nice. back to the state. So we are so excited to see her. I bet you morning, can't wait to oh, get I that girl wait. back under but, your roof. <laughs> uh, but talk about problem solving. I woke up this morning with messages from her. Of course it was London time and it was sleep time for us when she was like, Hmm, train's not, uh, going to arrive on time, hopping in Uber, making it across London at airport now through security. And I was looking on the phone to see like where she might be. And she made it all work. And I was like, you know, if she, even if she doesn't get a degree, the, the problem lesson. solving that that girl has learned in international travel has prepared her for yes. a lot in life. And speaking of feeling prepared, uh, I really am excited to connect with you this episode, Jen, because we have questions from listeners. And this is my favorite part to do with you is to pull you in whenever we've got questions. And there's, a, and there's two situations specifically that I want to, to share with you and just get your feedback on. Um, situation number one is going to be about a principal who's struggling with negativity from staff. And situation two is going to be a principal who's really struggling with, uh, with a sense of a, a need for in encouragement and confidence and leadership. And so I'm going to take them one at a time. And just to set this up for listeners, uh, the first situation, I'm going to read a little bit from this email exchange that we had with the principal. And I um, do not have permission to share this principal's name, although the principal gave me permission to share this issue with listeners. And so I, I'm going to read a, a edited version of the email and then ask you, Jen, to reflect with me on this question. But it begins like this, quote, one of the biggest challenges I have faced has not, has not, is not allowing for a very small group of people that work in our building 
that have an amount of built up negativity towards our school systems take up free rent space in my head. Now, let me give you some more context. Quote, I have found your podcast podcast episode 273, how to manage when someone is stirring the pot, extremely helpful, but I do see efforts to try and bring others into, a, into their perceived reality. Truthfully, I've leaned a lot on your guidance through your podcast as a new principal, and I'm very appreciative, et cetera. It continues. As I've had time to reflect on the school year, now that I have concluded I was able to relate closely with this following example, and I want to give you this example before we get the question. Each year, it seems in education, there's a storm that's thrust upon our schools nationwide. And as education leaders, it seems our responsibility to construct an umbrella that helps protect not only our students, but our staff members from that storm. Components of that umbrella can be changes in school policy, support programs, leadership changes, professional development, redesigning a focus on social, emotional learning, mental health. I feel like my district and school leadership provides a strong umbrella for the storms that we're all facing. As I reflect on my new position and my previous position in the classroom, however, I've begun to see how some, how each individual uses that umbrella differently. So here's the challenge. Basically, my reflection leads me to the conclusion that no matter how hard you try to encourage or problem solve, at some point, everyone has to take up their own umbrella. If they're choosing not to, we must try to do our best to cover them under our own as a school leader. As long as we know we are doing our best, we cannot let others poke holes in our umbrella. If they succeed, then others will suffer. I recognize I'm still new to this, all this learning, but as I stated earlier, I love and embrace the daily challenges I face. Here's my question. How do you or do you mediate negative relationships between staff members in your building or in the county or district level to ensure it's not negatively impacting students and programs and initiatives in the school building? Now, I hope I gave enough context from that email to make sense of that question, but this leader, just to summarize, is reflecting on the role of a school leader, the umbrella. I love that analogy that what we do is create umbrellas for our people so that we can protect them from whatever is happening around us so that they have the best learning environment possible. Yet at the same time, it seems no matter how strong that umbrella gets, there are some people who choose to use the umbrella differently. Some hold it up to protect just themselves, some hold it up to protect others, and some are poking holes in it. And so this school leader's question, Jen, is wisdom and guidance on mediating those most negative relationships in our schools and how uh, do we keep them from negatively infecting or impacting students? Right. Such a good question. And, you know, as, as you were reading it, I was thinking about actually how I opened um, today, not even knowing we were going to go this direction, but since we're making symbols and metaphors out of this problem, I'm thinking about that terrible derecho that came through Ohio and leveled my parents' farm. And, and I'm thinking about how um, I, I spoke with my father and I said, my God, what, what damage, what devastation, how are you? What are we going to do? And he just shook his head and he said, you know, you can't control the wind. And I'm thinking about that in alignment with this question. We can't control the storm, right? We can't control, um, what happens all we can control is the after, you know, after the storm comes. So it doesn't matter really how, how people use their umbrellas or if people poke holes in them, because we're not in control of that. So I guess to revise, it does matter, but we can't um, intervene until the point where um, we have some control. And I think about um, 
people in our buildings, they're always going to be there. The people who are negative, the people who are angry about something else in their um, lives or something that may have happened years ago, and they're still punishing the principal maybe about what happened. So I, I think when I speak with principals, Will, this is the problem that comes up over and over and over. What about that small handful of really negative tired, toxic people who are trying to, this is my word, not anybody else's to recruit other people to be negative with them and to, um, to engage in, in conversation or activities or actions that hurt our kids. So his question, his, my first response would be, remember what you can control and then remember what matters because there's a kind of a Venn diagram. A lot of you have probably seen it. There's what we can control. And then there's what matters. And the place where those two circles cross is where we need to focus our energy. And what I would argue is that place is things that we can control where it affects students. So if somebody's just being negative and grumpy in the, in the um, teacher's lounge in the morning when they're pouring their cup of coffee, but the students aren't affected, then, you know, it's, it's okay. You can let that go. You don't have to strive for a staff of just really happy people all the time. <laughs> and then, you know, I've thought just one more um, addition before I turn it back to you, Will, is I, I, I actually have another book coming out this summer that seems really applicable to this conversation. And it's about how principals can support teachers. I think teachers are driven by three motivators. One of them is their purpose. One of them is priorities. And one of them is their patterns. And if principals take some time to really get to know what it is that's motivating a teacher in any given moment, it will help them know how or when to intervene and help that teacher through it. I love that, Jen, and I cannot wait to see your new book. Um, principles must focus on purpose, priorities, and patterns. I'm going to ask you to, because I have thoughts too, but I want, I want to stay there for just a moment. Talk a little bit more about that in terms of how that, because you talked about that intersection, those two circles of what you can control and what matters, which helps you focus on what you can be doing. Right. In supporting. So talk a little bit more about how helping focus on the, that purpose, that priority, and that pattern, those right. patterns are helpful ways for principals to be proactively engaging with right. the influences happening in their schools. Right. And, and you might, you and I might need to do an entire podcast on the purpose priorities and patterns, because there's a lot to unpack there. But I think if we focus on that area of what we can control versus what matters, the key component for me to remember is what matters to me might not matter to students or to parents or to our community or to that teacher. And so we, we really have to um, sometimes put our own perspectives or our own personality conflicts aside and think really carefully and self-critically about what it is that a teacher or a group of teachers, negative negativity, what impact that has on students. And um, even within that, we have to think about, okay, does it have a negative impact academically, socially, um, in terms of feeling safe in the classroom? If any of those questions yield answers that um, indicate there's harm being done, then an abs absolutely the principal has to intervene. And so I think your, your listener asked, well, how? <laughs> 
And again, I think there's several ways to approach that. The best, the best answer lies in your relationship with that teacher, knowing them and knowing, understand, knowing their motivator, knowing whether they're struggling with their purpose. Why am I here? What, what am I even doing in this job? Or their priorities, which might be things that are going on in their own lives that are affecting the decisions that they make professionally. And then patterns. Patterns are just habits, right? So it, it may be a teacher who has fallen into some negative habits. When the principal identifies which one of those is having a negative impact on students, then they know how to intervene. So with your permission, Will, I could take that a step further and give an example. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. The, the example I would give is if a teacher is um, always late, like in between classes, the teacher goes out and about and talks to her friends or his friends, and then is always late getting the class started and there's behavior issues. And let's say the principal has talked to the teacher and said, Hey, you really need to be in your classroom when the bell rings and the teacher just doesn't do it. And the teacher's out, you know, talking about how that principal just has unrealistic expectations. And the principal's thinking, my gosh, I just want him to be in the classroom when the bell rings. So that might be a, a you know, three minute internal conversation within the principal's own mind purpose. Okay. This teacher has a strong purpose. I know that he really wants to be there for his students and he's committed in a lot of ways. His purpose is strong. Okay. Disregard priorities. Okay. This teacher really, really seems to be, um, have his priorities straight. There's nothing really big that I know of going on in his life. Um, it doesn't seem like his relationships with his teachers or with his colleagues are fractured. As a matter of fact, he seems to want to hang out with them a lot. So that's not a problem. Okay. Check move along patterns. Okay. Habits. Maybe this is just a habit. Maybe this teacher's getting the social input that he needs or that she needs in those moments between classes. And he's just in a bad habit of not prioritizing the students when the bell rings. So then that intervention might just be revisiting that with the teacher and saying, listen, I know that when you first started teaching, you were probably in your classroom every time when the bell rang, greeting students, handing back some of their work, having a quick conference with one or two of them. Seems like you've kind of gotten out of that habit. Is there anything I can do to get you back in that habit? Because you know what? You're a real leader in this building and what you do is affecting a lot of your colleagues. So I, this is just a priority for me and I'd like it to become more of a routine and a habit for you. So it, 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 again, just walking through that scenario, it helps you answer questions about the motivator for that teacher and why that behavior is happening. Mm, Jen, there's so much I love about that. So let me reflect on a few things. First of all, I, I want to apologize that I did not acknowledge the devastation that your family experienced. When you <laughs> no, 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 earlier. I didn't no, I let just, you. No, but <laughs> I, I was thinking earlier, I was not even a sympathetic friend in that situation, but your father's <laughs> wisdom is so incredible. You, you, it seems like every time we talk about your dad, he has some <laughs> kernel of of just some golden wisdom that he shares that I just am like, Oh, I want him to be my dad too. Right. Oh, he's incredible. Uh, he's, and, yeah. and you know, this is applicable too to principals. He's he, I truly think the eye of the, or the worst part of the storm was over his farm. And you know mm. what he kept saying? Well, he kept saying, I am so lucky. Mm. I said, dad, you are the most unlucky human being <laughs> in the County. And he said, no, I'm not. Nobody was hurt. We have all our animals, you know, equipment can be replaced. Yeah. Barns can be replaced. So I, to, to put that on the principal's um, world in the context of this conversation, I would say we are all still doing the good, lucky work, right? We are all still, even though there's challenges and even though we wake up in the morning to a storm and every year we have a storm, we're still so lucky. And so that's something I'm going to take away from that derecho that came well, through Ohio. <laughs> me too. And I think it's, I think it's a really good reality check, Jen, for anyone who's listening right now, because principals 
and teachers and superintendents, everybody I've talked to this past year felt so much more beat up than they've ever felt before. It seems like our entire society has just been addicted to, to anger and frustration. Right. And, 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 you know, there was even a school board meeting from a local district here this week where, where a student stood up to provide some feedback and some people in the audience began to boo the student and the board president had to stop the meeting and said, we don't boo students mm -hmm. in these meetings. This, this is why we're here right. for our students. And so I'm just, you know, so there's a part of me that feels this, this frustration, like the listener said, just, you know, na nationally. And I know it's not yes. even just reserved to our nation, but we've been through a storm. And, and we've, some people have been through a storm that's harder than others, but we've all been through storms. And so that's such a great reminder, Jen, that in the storms we face, because we'll, we've been through a storm next year will be a different kind of storm. And the year after that'll be a different kind of storm. But the wisdom that your dad showed in that situation, which is that, you know, we can't control the wind, right? Can't control um, the wind. Nope. Yeah. Or like my friend, Tim Elmore says, we can't control the wind, but we can adjust the sail. Right. You know, exactly. we, we, we can decide which way we want our sales to go. And so thank you for that practical feedback, because what you're not suggesting is that principals avoid crucial conversations. Right. There are times when wisdom does tell you, you know what, this is a situation I'm going to need to just walk away from mm -hmm. because the context here is not something that I need to address at this moment, but every context is different. And so you don't avoid crucial conversations, but I like how you set those aside. And you're right. When you get ready to um, share your book with the world, we're going to do some sessions on how to make sure we have practical solutions for that purpose, that priority, that pattern. And where, where do we pinpoint where those needs are in those areas? Because you're right. Sometimes the diagnosis that we need in that situation right, isn't, right. is it not going to be the same for every teacher? Nope. And it's and not it. every year either. That's, mm -hmm. that's the other thing is a teacher. I, I talk in the book about how life is long, you know, and, and people teach 35, 40 years, the things they go through, of course, it's going to have an impact on their colleagues and their students. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And a, a principal, you know, being in tuned to, to those changes and being okay with them and accepting them. That's the kind of thing that builds trust with teachers. And, you know, we can't do this work unless we have teachers who are in this with us as a team. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I would encourage the listener. Um, there's two things really is one is do whatever it takes to get those teachers on the same team with you. And then the, the next thing I'm going to say is there's times that you just can't. And in that case, you lead around, you have to, you know, um, instructional coaches talk about coaching around resistant teachers, you lead around the resistance and, um, you know, teachers want a principal who respects, admires, trusts, and leads them. And so they are going to get in alignment behind a principal who makes a conscious choice to move on. Sometimes they teachers respect it when they see a, a principal deliberately choosing to leave behind the toxic teacher and they'll get behind. They really will. Yeah. Great feedback. Yesterday, I got to listen to a, a virtual PD session with Michael Fullen, and he said something there that I jotted down in my notes, which is that that strong instructional leaders understand the importance of contextual literacy. And I was like, Hmm, I've not, I've not heard people use that term before Michael Fullen. He's such a great researcher. And he said that in order that, that, that deep learning leaders become experts 
in their own learning cultures. Mm-hmm. In other words, they, they understand that the only way you're going to affect change meaningfully and long-term is to be a cultural expert of your people, right. your surroundings, your students, what, like you said, knowing the nuances of what's going on in people's lives, right. what's happening in school and out of school with my people, so that you have the, the, the cultural context to know what is the best diagnosis for this situation. Right. So it's part of the, part of the um, challenge is this is actually going to lead to the next question, Jen. Part of the challenge that you and I face is trying to provide answers to people that may or may not always fit their context. And so we have to make sure that that Principal Matters listeners, please, as you listen and learn from fellow colleagues, as you're reading great books this summer, as you're listening to fellow leaders, as you're looking and reflecting on your own educational experience, it's an ongoing, ever-learning, reflective journey. And there's never a one-size-fits-all. There's never right. a quick never. fix. There's never a just do this and everything's going to be okay. It's it's a it's a trial and error. It's it's like a farmer learning how right. to manage and, and cultivate his crops. That it what worked last year may not work this year, and so right. and so it's it's an ongoing. So so Jen, I, I want to just jump into question number two, and that is um, we had a listener who reached out to me and said, "quote um, Will, I'm a big fan, an avid listener of the show. I have a question." where do I even start as a principal? I feel like there's so much I don't even know about the technical terms and the nuances. Any advice would be wonderful. And so Jen, I reached back and asked, can I just call you? Because this was one of those questions that I didn't think an email was going was to be helpful for. And here's what I discovered. Uh, this is another uh, new leader assigned to a new position um, at semester and has just was just very open about the struggle of feeling disconnected from uh, his teachers, um, really struggling with finding his footing in the new position, but also feeling like he's losing confidence in his own leadership abilities. And part of his struggle, and this is what really struck me, and I, I wanted to, to, to reflect on this with you, part of his struggle comes from when he's listening to our shows and he's hearing leaders who seem so focused and so determined And he asked me the question, how do I develop those same kinds of skills myself so that I feel focused and purposeful? And so there were a lot of questions that came to my mind, and we had a very good conversation, but I wanted to bring that question here so that you and I can reflect on that for just a few minutes, because I have several thoughts that I want to share with listeners, but I I wanted to just have both of us respond to that for a moment in terms of a, a leader who's really struggling, especially in comparing himself to others in the context of his new position. Well, you and I have the gift of video. Your listeners don't. You see me laughing, right? Because I have a story. And my story is this. I, um, you know, I've been a principal a long time and I actually teach graduate classes to aspiring principals. And through a a set of circumstances about five years ago, um, I hired an assistant who had been in one of my classes and she'd read my books and, and I didn't know this, but she was apparently very intimidated by me. Well, after about three months, we were having a great time. We were laughing about something. And she said, I just have to tell you how glad I am that you are such a hot mess. (laughs) And I said, what? And she said, I thought you had everything together. I thought you knew all the answers. I thought you were calm, cool, confident, collected all the time. She's like, you're a mess, just like everyone else. And I laughed and I said, you are so right. We are all a mess. We all are. And so to your listener, I would say, yes, there are probably, you're looking at colleagues and you're doing that comparison culture that we say, do not do. Mm -hmm. They're probably just as much of a mess. And I guarantee you right now, your listener is saying, no, really, I'm 
the imposter. I don't belong here. No, no, no. It's true. We are all a mess every day. Problems come up for even the most established, confident principles that we're like, what do we, what do we do with this? I have no idea what to do with this. So, so the best advice I can give to that listener is, is you, is remember that no one ever masters this job. The, the thing we love about it is that every day is different. And then the thing that, that shakes our confidence the most is that everything is different, but you know, confidence comes with time, but in the meantime, we can lead with conviction we can lead with our credibility, with the with the um, professional reputation that we've built. We can lead with compassion and care, and and those kind of things will build confidence over time. But we're all a mess, Will. We are yeah. all a mess. Oh, I'm having so many. <laughs> I'm having so many epiphanies. I don't even know where to start, Jen. Um, so let me tell a little dirty secret. Principle matters, listeners. And so I and and I, you know, we just celebrated 300 episodes, and so. Let me just let me just say it like it is. The dirty little secret about the Principal Matters podcast, School Leaders podcast, 300 episodes for however many years we've been doing this. For every principal or education leader that I have had on this show to interview who has shared just dynamic ideas for things that are happening in their their work and the lessons that they're learning. For every one of those, when we're off the air, we also talk about those things they can't share. Exactly. on the air for exactly. every one of them. It's the off the air conversations that I wish I could record. Right. So many of them are confidential and involve things that are, that, that they know would be a violation of someone else's confidence. And that's the reality of our worlds as leaders. All of us are hot mess and we're always dealing with things that are so far beyond our own wisdom, so far beyond our depth. That's why we need each other. We cannot do this by ourselves. None of us, if anybody thinks they have it figured out and that leadership is something you can put in a book like we've done and then just do X, Y, and Z and everything's going to turn out correctly. That's just not real reality. And I, I'll just publicly apologize to any listener out there who's ever thought that following a formula is going to result in a perfect setting for your school or that following these steps is going to somehow magically create a, an environment where you want to show up every single day and dance and skip down the hallway. It's just not that way. But there are, there are truths and there are ideas that can help you maintain sanity and build good teams and, 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 and nurture an environment that you want to be a part of. Um, so that's a reality too. Well, and I think that social media hasn't done us any favors in this, in this realm, because like, just as an example, I, I thought I was a really fun, engaged principal. And then I started seeing all these posts about principals who had special handshakes with every kid, or they'd be out at, at drop off or pick up with music and dancing. I'm like, I can't dance. I can't do that. Or, or principals that, you know, had some sort of a um, special skill with rapping and they would have their kids come for an assembly. And I thought, I can't do this. Here's what I would say though, principals counsel teachers and students all the time. Don't get sucked up into the comparisons and then mm -hmm. we do it ourselves. Yeah. So my, the way I um, approach that, I don't know that this would work for anyone else is when I see myself spiraling or I feel myself thinking I should be more, I should be doing more. I'm not enough. I think, okay, pick one thing, just one thing that you saw on social media or that you heard on a podcast, just one thing to work on. And that's the only thing you work on for a month or two months or six months. What that really is, is a fancy way to give myself a pass. Because a lot of times that anxiety we feel, the anxiety your listener might be feeling that he's not doing enough or he isn't confident enough 
he will get there. He just needs to press pause a little bit on his own self-criticism and, and let himself catch up. But, you know, like anything with social media or even in a face-to-face meeting when we're with another principal, of course, they're going to put their best foot forward, right? Nobody's going to say, okay, I'm going to tell you one thing I'm good at. And the 40 things I'm really bad at. Nobody's ever going to do that. And so we just have to remember that and stop ourselves from spiraling into a place of insecurity. Well, Jen, I'll offer just a couple of thoughts that I shared with that listener. And then I know you and I need to wrap up this episode, but um, just so for anyone else who's listening for some practical things to keep in mind too, I, I just asked this principle in our conversation. Let's just go back to what makes a strong instructional leader. Tell me what, what makes a great classroom teacher. Let's go back to your own roots. Cause most of us in school leadership spent time as classroom instructors, right? You know, and you and I both know the answer to that question. It's setting strong expectations and understanding procedures and making sure you set the norms with your school and establishing rapport and trusting relationships with the people you're serving. And then I flipped that question and said, how can you apply those same classroom instructional standards school-wide and in your own leadership? And there was a light bulb moment that leader said back to me, well, I've never thought about my leadership that way. I've never thought about my principal role being looking at my own staff and my own school um, instruction, my teachers as my classroom. And I said, let's start there because that's a really good place to start. Um, And that's a good perspective to keep moving forward because man, if we play the compare game, Mm -mm. oh my gosh, we're just going to beat ourselves up. Yeah. It's not, it's not even reasonable. Some of us have, Mm -hmm. have 200 students in our building. Some of us have 4,000. You can't compare Mm -hmm apples to oranges. You just just have to look at yourself in the mirror and see how you're doing. Well, Jen, thank you for taking an opportunity to respond to listener questions. And would you please, I know we've done this so many times, but I, in case someone's listening for the first time in meeting Jen Schwanke, how can our listeners stay connected with you and your resources and your yep. wonderful books? Yes, very simple. Just go to jenschwanke.com. I shouldn't say um, jenschwanke.com and they can find anything they need, including how to get a hold of me. Great. Well, Jen, I hope you have a safe and wonderful summer. Thanks for all the work that you do. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Talk soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.